This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Luke chapter 10, go to verse number one. I'm going to grab my iPad and uh, for sake of time, I'm going to jump right in. Amen. By the way, can I just tell you, I was in the back talking to somebody right now and I just said the 10 a.m. service is my favorite service because y'all are the loudest. I don't know how you do it. You would think that the 7 p.m., the last service would be the loudest, but the 10 a.m., well, as they say on Urban Dictionary, eh, it's turn. okay? So um, I just lie like this service. So Hey, continuing from the thought from last Sunday, Vision Sunday, sent to the city. Let me read some verses, and I'll explain where we're going. If you're new to church, don't worry. I'll, uh, I'll let you know the direction and uh, what we're talking about today. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After these things, after Jesus had done some amazing things, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them two by two before his face into every city, and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest, give God five, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves, carrying neither money bag, knapsack, Tiva sandals and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Verse seven, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give you. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things that are set before you, unless they are not gluten-free. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 10, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, they are haters. Go out into its streets and say, haters in the city, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. This is an unbelievable portion of scripture. This is an incredible, riveting story that I find out of the great physician Luke has written this account. Now, perhaps when Luke was taking note of all these things transpiring, perhaps Jesus didn't even realize that Luke had his iPhone 7 out and was writing down the notes of everything that just happened. But Luke is taking copious notes on how Jesus was sending out 70 individuals two by two into different cities. I want to preach a message this morning staying in the theme of the vision for our church, which is sent to the city. I want to preach a message. You can write down the title. It's called Pep Rally. Pep Rally. And I want to preach, and I have ourselves a little Zoe pep rally. And on, hey, raise your hand if you've ever been to a pep rally before. I loved a good pep rally growing up. I'll never forget this one time. We had a pep rally at my high school, and we, we had made the playoffs. Our basketball team made the playoffs. And so they invited the whole school. The whole gym, you know, was packed with our whole school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. And, and I remember I was part of that, you know, that group. We were in the playoffs, and whole school was there, and the band was there, and everybody's fired up. And they announced every single player coming out of the locker room in front of the whole school, and they gave us all nicknames so that, you know, Randy would come out, Randy the Rim Rocker Dean, and ah, the whole school go crazy, and you know, Brandon balling out, Stone, and all these guys, and I'll never forget when it was my term, they, the, the announcer says, Chad, 
chicken legs beach. I was like, hater. <laughs> so pep rally's kind of emotional for me. But I want to talk about a pep rally today. Let's pray and let's ask God to come and speak to us this morning. Father, thank you for our church. So many amazing things that you're doing, God. We acknowledge it. God, we know you're building such a great community with our connect groups and so many people being added with growth track. And God, we're so thankful that we have a heart for the house that you've placed us in. We, we acknowledge your word that said those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. God, we're believing that for our children and for our families, for our businesses and everything we put our hands to, let it flourish. Open up our eyes this morning so we can see Jesus. Open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do in this setting. And God, we are thanking you that last week you proved to the world how much you love Los Angeles by allowing the Rams to pull off a miracle. God, we bless them as they're in Tampa Bay today. Do, a, do it again, Lord. Do it again. In Jesus' name. And we all said together. Come on, LA people. And we all said together, somebody say amen. You might be a Bruin, you might be a Trojan, but we're together a Ram. Come on, somebody. Amen. I, I, I don't know about you, but anybody like getting up and excited for things? Anybody like, where, where the pump people at? I like, my favorite two words to text is, let's go. I love to text it. Like, let's go. I just, I'm, I like getting excited. This morning, I got all excited. I was, I'll text my other friends with churches, like, it's going to be the best day ever. Hashtag it. Like, I'm just, I like getting pumped up. I like getting excited about things. I like living life excited. Anybody else? Like, if you're mad, dull, if you're mad, boring, we're not going to get along because you're going to be annoyed by me. And my energy. Like I, I, I'm like this without coffee. I'm really more excited because I had three cups this morning, but I, I love being excited. I like pep rallies, man. I like getting excited. And, and I remember in high school, I was always friends with the dudes that were loud. Like we would get loud together. We would get pumped. I'll never forget this one guy that I went to high school with. He was a football player and he's just a big old guy, went on to play college football. And I'll never forget this one time. And I was a senior, he was a sophomore. He told me a story about firing up the football team, firing up the guys. We were playing against a rival high school and it was an away game and anybody that knows anything about playing sports, when you go into another person's atmosphere, when you go into the enemy's camp, you gotta get extra fired up. You gotta get extra focused. So this guy tells me a story. They're in the locker room, all the football players, they're getting fired up and he's like, he's a sophomore, but he's so good. He's like the captain pretty much. So he says he's so fired up. He's getting everybody so excited, so amped about the mission. We've come here on a Friday night light like he's just pumping up the whole the whole team and he says he gets so excited that he actually can't control himself he goes to the bathroom he gets too excited he just goes to the bathroom but he's such a football player he's like forget it and he just rushes the field he said he's stretching and he can smell how bad it smells like he's just like this is the worst he said the whole game instead of changing he was so focused on the win he just played the whole game like that whenever guys were piling up in the in the middle of the pile they just be like did number 55, did that really, he was just so, he was so excited. He was so fired up that he, he just, he lost control of himself and he got a little bit too excited. Somebody say amen. I want to preach this morning about Jesus firing up the troops on their first mission. This is the first time since Jesus has revealed his public ministry that he has allowed anybody besides himself to do the work. 
You have to understand that Jesus, he's been doing all the work up to this point. All the healing, all the preaching, all the teaching, all the miracles, everything has flowed from one. He's been a one-man show up to this point. This is the first time that Jesus is getting the troops together and sending them out to do the work. Watch what Jesus says. He gets the guys together and he goes, guys, now you have to understand, there's 70 of them and he's sending them out two by two. Now that means there's 35 groups. 35 is the number, the biblical number for hope. He is about to send hope into every city. He is sending 35 groups out that will dispense hope into a city that's been turned against God. He's sending these groups, these guys out and watch what he says. The first thing he says, write this down this morning. He says, don't try and do this alone. Do not try and go to this city by yourself. Do not, now you have to understand, God loves twos. Let me just go to the Bible for just a moment. The Bible says wherever two or more are gathered in his name, where is he? He's here in the midst. When the ark came and the flood came with, with Noah, what did God do with each animal? He sent them in what? Two by two. God loves two. In fact, watch this verse in Ecclesiastes and watch how God reveals the power of two. It says again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how in the world can one be warm alone? Watch the next verse. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. The Bible loves two. God loves two. He's sending people out two for two. Can I encourage you today that the reason why you need to be in a connect group is because you need to find somebody else. The Bible says in Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron. It didn't say irons sharpens other irons. No, you just need somebody. I just need somebody to love. Uh, you just need one other person, one other churchgoer with you, one other friend to pray with, one other friend to encourage. Come on, anybody thankful that God is sending you godly relationships, people that are helping you out. Come on, thank God today. If you're grateful, you're not trying to do this alone. You know, one of those hallmark sayings at our church, one of those quotes that we say all the time, there's certain things, if you come to our church, you're going to hear all the time. And one of the things we say all the time at Zoe is that you can go through anything in life as long as you don't go through it, come on church, alone. Now, what's the Bible saying? Jesus is saying, I want you to go fulfill my mission. I want you to go pick up my work that I've been doing, but dare, lest you do it by yourself. You're going to need somebody else with you. You're going to need accountability. You're going to need an encouragement. You're going to need a friend along the way. You're going to need someone to, that, that, as long as you're on the journey, to talk through your emotions and talk through your frustrations and, and someone to bounce off your ideas. And You're going to need somebody along the way that you're like, I'm sorry, I feel crazy right now. Can you just help me? Am I being crazy? Anybody know what I'm talking about? God's saying, don't do it alone. Don't you go. He's, grasses these 70. He's giving them a huge pep talk. The pep talk's coming. But he gathers these 70. And the first thing he does, he, you two, and then you two, and then you two. And isn't it just like God? God knows who you need to be paired with. God knows. God never just puts you with the exact same person. Sometimes God will put you with an opposite because sometimes opposites attract. God is the type of God that he knows that like attracts like. Sometimes God will put you with the exact same person. But more than knowing what you want, God really knows who you need. So God will put you with somebody that you need. He goes, you two here, you two there, you two there. Now I've got all 35 groups. Y'all ready? Okay, now here's, here's the whole pep talk I'm going to give you. 35 of y'all. Okay, can you hear me? Can you hear me? loud and clear. Okay, here's, here's what we're going to do. He goes, guys, um, 
This is how we're going to start this whole thing off. The harvest, just a heads up, the harvest is, there's so much work to be done and there just isn't a lot of you. So let's start the mission off with this. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for more of you. So in other words, God said, before you go out, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to pray. The first step is prayer. Before we start preaching and teaching and laying hands on the sick, why don't we start with getting on our knees? Why don't we start going to God? Why don't we, come on, before you start making up your five-year plan for your business, why don't you drop to your knees and praise God? Why don't you start with prayer? Jesus is teaching us that before we go out, we have to come in. Before we go do something for God, we've got to have an encounter with God. He said, before you go out and start helping all these cities, why don't you start by praying to the Lord of the harvest? Come on, anybody thankful today that we've been invited by Jesus to be people of prayer? That's the worst applause I've ever heard in church. Come on, anybody excited that we get to pray? We're not a quiet church, by the way. We're a loud church. It's a pep rally church. He said the first thing you ought to do is you ought to pray. He said pray to the Lord of the harvest for the, for the harvest is plentiful, but but the workers, of, they're very few. And, and then watch what he says. This is so fascinating. He said, guys, I'm sending you out. There's not a lot of you, is there? There's only 70 of us. There's 35 groups. I realize that we're stacked against ourselves. And he goes, guys, I'm actually sending you out. This is kind of disheartening. If I was in the group, like fired up, got my shoulder pads and my helmet on, ready to go. God looks at these guys and he goes, guys, I'm, I'm sending you out. Well, how can I say this? How can I liken it? You're like... Um, you're like lambs amongst wolves. Like if I'm all fired up, ready to go for Jesus, I just gave my life to God. I left my tax paying, you know, business or fisherman business and I'm following God. And God looks at me, he's like, you're like a little lammy and you're going to go out amongst wolves. I'm like, hold up. Like, what is that? What about that whole more than conqueror bit you were talking about? Like, what about the, I'm the head, not the tail bit? Like, what do you mean I'm a, I'm a lamb? I think sometimes what God loves to do is allow you to understand and give you context to the world that you're in. Jesus is saying you're like a lamb amongst wolves. The problem with most Christianity is that we want to stay lambs amongst lambs. We want to listen to our lamb music and go to our lamb services and have our lamb little get-togethers and just be lammies together. I'm a lamb, you're a lamb. You want to get together, have coffee? Let's go to Coffee Bean or Cool Bean or whatever bean. Let's just go have coffee. <laughs> Jesus is saying something so profound. He said, I'm sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. On, so Even the world understands this. One of the most famous songs on the radio talks about wolves being around us. That there's what we're actually living in an era of society all the way back then to even now that we're actually amongst wolves. Now, that might not make you feel comfortable and that might not make you feel compelled, but let's liken it to another way Jesus described this. Another way Jesus likened this rather than lamps amongst wolves. He said, guys, it's not those that are healthy that need a doctor. It's those that are sick that need a doctor. So another way he could have said it if he wanted to, he could have said, guys, you guys are all healthy. You 70, I'm sending you out to sick people, people that are tormented, people that are depressed, people that are without hope and without joy, people that are being destroyed by the enemy. I'm sending you out as those that are healing agents to the sick. Come on, anybody thankful today that Jesus knows the climate, who to go to and exactly who we're supposed to be. Come on, give him a little bit more praise in the 10 a.m. if you believe it today. 
He gathers the 70. He's like, all right, you two, you two, you two. Okay, how are we? Okay, let's start it with prayer. Let's go to God and let's pray. And just be of good cheer. You're like lambs amongst wolves. If I'm there, I'm like all fired up. Like, it's my first mission trip. I can't wait to go to Africa. I'm like all ready to go. And now he's like, lambs, wolves. I'm like, Keep talking. Next part. <laughs> He's like, you like lambs amongst wolves. And watch what he does. Jesus has now assessed the situation. You can write that number two. He knows, what he, get, he knows what he's sending you into. He's assessed the situation. He said, I'm sending you out. You're like lambs amongst wolves. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then watch what God begins to do. God begins to write down number three. He begins to give specific instruction on what you should do. God loves specific instruction. The reason why you ought to read the Bible, can I just be very honest with you? If you have questions about life, all of life's questions are answered within these pages. If you have any question on how you should handle your finances, the answer is right here in the Bible. If you have any question on how you should answer your relationships, you, the answer is right here. If you have questions about anything in life, God loves specific instruction. All the way back from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible prove to us that God loves instruction. Now we're all the way in the Gospels and Jesus has come and God is still proving to us that he loves specific instruction. God is not vague. God is not want, asking you to figure out a jigsaw puzzle. God is not giving you a riddle and saying, figure out the riddle. God looks us in the eye and say, I want you to do this. I want you to do it this way. I want you to go to this town. I want you to have this kind of marriage. I want you to raise your kids this way. I want you to handle your finances this way. I want you to be a light, a salt, a witness. Come on, somebody give God some thanks today. If you've got specific instruction for your life. If you've come to church for the first time, just so you know, God has a plan for your life. It's specific. There's instructions. The, 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 the Bible, I know it's a, it's a dumb acronym. I'm sorry, I grew up in church. But the Bible, some have abbreviated as to being basic instructions before leaving earth. These are just God's basic instructions. God looks at the 70 group. There's 35 groups. He looks at the guys and he goes, guys, let me give you some instructions. Now, personally, when I read this list, I really gravitate to verse number four and verse number nine. Verse number four, Jesus says something that I find so riveting. Verse number four, he says, carry neither money bag, knapsack, or sandal, and watch this. And don't you say hi to anybody along the road. I kind of like that because when I get on airplanes, I am in a race to put my headphones before the neighbor next to me tries to talk to me. Can I get a witness in the church? I don't want to talk to nobody on the plane, okay? I don't got time for your problems. I don't got time for your city. I'm trying to love LA and my Zoe church. Somebody say amen. He said, when you go, go along the road and greet. Don't you greet nobody. Now let's look very quickly at verse number nine and I'll come back to that, but watch this. And heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Go back to verse number four. This is two, two fascinating revelations on the instruction of Jesus as he sends out these guys. The first thing he says is, guys, don't greet anybody along the way. Translation, as I send you out, stay focused on the task. As I send you out, there's no lollygagging around. 
How, let me just put it this way. I remember uh, uh, when Julie and I first got married, we were members at this gym and we used to go to this gym. It's the YMCA gym. And we used to go to this gym together. We, 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 Julia, that, her favorite, her love language to this day, if I ever want to feel her love bucket, the, it, going to work out with Julia is like her favorite thing in the world. Like if we go to Soul Cycle together, I'm good for one month. Like I've scored that many points. She would, she would want us to work out every single day. I can't really do it because I can't really be that dude that, anyways. So, so Julia and I, we go to the YMCA together. Now, when we get to the YMCA, Julia don't want to say hi to nobody. Like, I don't care if it's her mom or a friend. She don't want to greet anybody. Not in the name of the Lord or the name of the church. She don't want to greet any. She wants to get to the treadmill. She wants to get to the weights. She wants to get to the core workout. She, I mean, she is on mission. When I walk up in the gym, it might as well be the club. I want to talk to everybody, okay? I, the last thing I want to do at the gym is work out. Why would I go to the gym to work out? I came to the gym to socialize. Somebody say amen. I came to the gym to meet people, greet people, say hello. Oh, your kid's so cute. I want to meet everybody at the the last thing I want to do is pick up a weight at the gym. I do not want, in fact, I'm hoping somebody interrupts me and this is the opposite of the plane. At the gym, hopefully five people interrupt me so I never have to pick up a weight. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Julia is to get so mad at me. She's like, when you get to the gym, you should just go straight to working out. Put your headphones out so no one interrupts you. I'm like, no, like I do not, I do not want to work out. I came to socialize. Jesus is saying, when you go on this mission, when you leave this pep rally, don't you say hi to nobody. There's a solidarity about you. There's a discipline about you. There's a focus about you. What he's really saying is don't be distracted by somebody. Don't waste your time checking social media for four hours a day. Why don't you stay focused on the God-given task and the God-given potential? Come on, anybody thankful today that we got some specific instruction from heaven on how to live our life? It's being focused. I want to acknowledge somebody here today. And Ray Lee is here in the back. And I, we had Ray Lee share at Heart and Soul. But one thing that I love about Ray, Ray's in the back. Ray, just stand up in the 10 a.m. real fast. Just wave to everybody. This is my friend Ray, a wonderful man of God. And You know, one of the things I love about Ray is, and I'm, I'm going to brag on him for one moment. Ray told me this a long time ago. He wakes up in the morning. Before he checks his phone, the first thing that he does is he put on worship music. And he begins to dedicate his day to God. And he'll start to pray. And he'll play, he'll play worship music sometimes up to an hour. Long. And what is he saying? He's saying, God, today, allow me to be focused. Some of the reasons why you're so frustrated is because you're so distracted. Jesus is saying something to us about how we live our personal life. He's saying, as you go out on the way, don't, don't spend your time on social hour. There's work to do. There's things to get done. There's people to reach. I love Pastor Stephen Furtick and his words from Charlotte, North Carolina. He, he said this to his church. We're not waiting on a move of God. We are a move of God. There's something about a people that are focused on the God-given task of saying, this is where my time will go. This is where my talent will go. This is where my treasure will go. Am I preaching to anybody this morning that says, you know what? I want to live with a little bit more focus. Somebody say amen. So the first thing he said, don't you talk to nobody on the road. And then the next thing he said in verse nine is, and lay hands on the sick. As if to say, don't you go just talking about it. I want you to be about it. And I want you to prove my power. You will, took, you will take all naysayers. You will take all haters. You will take anybody that has something bad to say about God. And you will silence the critics when we see the power of God on the display. When all of a sudden the, he, the, 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 the hurting and the sick get healed. I want to say something to you this morning. And maybe you don't realize this. But did you know about Jesus? That Jesus had a healing ministry. 
Jesus had a profound, I, I think I got an amen right there. Some of y'all need to learn how to amen like that. That was powerful. Shook the whole church. I receive it. But maybe you don't realize this, but Jesus had a healing ministry. Jesus healed blind people, you know? Some of the people that were deaf, never heard before, they got their, heal their hearing back from Jesus. Some of the people that were literally diseased and sick in their bodies, Jesus healed them. There were some people actually that had children that were sick and they recovered. Jesus had a healing ministry and so do you. Some of you just got to re realize and receive the fact that God has given you the power and you the authority to lay hands on the sick. This morning I was walking in and one of the dream team members that serves here at our church was talking about how they have a headache. And I said, come on, let's pray right now. And I lay hands on the sick and I believe they'll recover. And you know, I, I pray that in your world, whether it's your children or a friend, whether it's a stranger or somebody that you know very well, that you'll be quick to lay hands on the sick because we believe that God has given us the authority. Watch what Jesus says. He says at the pep rally, I'm sending y'all out. You're gonna go to this city and you're gonna go to that city. I need you in Calabasas. I need you in Malibu. I want you to go to Whittier. I need you over here in Baldwin Park. You're in Ladera Heights. I want you... He's sending them out two by two. And he says, make sure you're focused, but make sure in that city that you prove that my kingdom is not a kingdom of words, but it's a kingdom of power. Come on, anybody thankful today that the power of God has been manifest and revealed in Jesus Christ himself. Come on, you and I, we have the opportunity to lay hands on the sick. That may we be those in Los Angeles that wherever we go, we're quick to lay hands on people that are sick, people that are sick emotionally, people that are sick financially, people that are sick physically, that we're laying hands on people, not that we would receive the glory, but that God would receive the glory because it proves that our God is not dead. It proves that our God is alive, that by his stripes, come on church, we are healed. This is amazing. This is riveting stuff. And watch how it transitions. It ends that Jesus, he, he says to these guys, make sure you go and, and you stay focused and you lay hands on the sick. And, and then in the message translation, I want to end with these verses. In the message translation, Jesus, after he's sending these guys out, he transitions from speaking to the pep rally crew. And now he starts to talk to cities. He starts to address cities. This is the message translation. And watch what the Bible says that Jesus starts declaring over cities. This is very interesting about Jesus. He says, Doom, Chorazin. Doom, Bethsaida. If Tyre and Sidon had been given half the chances given to you, they'd have been given on their knees a long time ago, repenting and crying for mercy. Tyre and Sidon will have it easy on Judgment Day compared to you cities. And you, Capernaum, do you think you're about to be pro promoted to heaven? Think again, you're on a mudslide to hell. Some of you are going like, man, I came to church to be encouraged and you got, we're reading these kind of verses today? On a mudslide to hell, what's Jesus saying? Jesus is actually opening up a window and he's revealing his heart for cities. Can I just tell you today that even in the book of Revelation when John was on an island called Patmos and he gets a revelation of the end times, the first thing in Revelation chapter two, the first thing that Jesus starts to do is show John how he addresses cities. He said, say this to Ephesus, say this to Pyrma, say this to Smyrna, say this to, to, to Philadelphia. God begins to address cities. Why? Because God has a massive burden for cities. God shows us right here. He's sending these guys out two by two. Worship team, you can come right now. He's sending these guys out two by two to cities. He's the God of the city. 
The way he wants to reach people is by sending people to cities. He says, I want you guys here and you guys there. And, and oh, Tyre and Sidon, oh, if you, oh, if you just would have repented. And, and he's talking to Capernaum and he's, he's talking to Bethsaida. And he, he's saying, oh, I've tried to do something in this city. And I, and I want to do something in this city. And come on, we've got to wake up. God is trying to do something in the cities of America. That if you're not awake right now, what is it going to take? That last night I was in the airport and I, I ran to the screen to see the release of CNN, the video of what happened this last week in Charlotte and the riots that have broken up. And what happened in Tulsa? And what about Baton Rouge? And what about Minneapolis? What is God trying to say to cities? What does he want to do in Los Angeles? It's far greater than you can imagine. It's far bigger than you can ever think. It's far greater than you can ever comprehend. He's the God of the city. Come on, anybody believe today that he cares about Charlotte and he cares about Tulsa and he cares about Baton Rouge. And I declare in the name of Jesus, he cares about Los Angeles. Los Angeles is on his radar. We're the city of angels. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Jesus loves cities. He loves them. And he doesn't just love cities. I tell you, the reason why he wants to reach cities is because he wants to reach people. It's not even about the city. It's about the humans that are in the city. God is not obsessed with Los Angeles. He's obsessed with humanity. He's saying, I'm sending you to Calabasas, not because I love Calabasas. I love the people of Calabasas. I'm sending you to Whittier because I got a burden for the humans that reside in Whittier. And I'm sending you, stay focused, heal the sick, do the work of God. Come on, start with prayer. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Say, God, I know the workers are few, but here am I, Lord. Send me, send me to the city, God. Send my heart, send my finances, send my life. That this is real, that heaven is a real place and so is hell. That we've not been sent so we can enjoy great coffee, although we've got the greatest coffee in the world in L.A. I know we care about sports team, and I know I joke around about God loving the Rams, but can you hear our heart? We've been sent to the city to lay hands on the sick. We've been sent to the city to stay focused on God. We've been sent to the city for such a time as this. Come on, pep rally. Let's get excited for God. Jesus gathers the guys. He's like, I've been doing all the work and now I empower you. And now I send you. It's your turn. It's your time. I know you may not feel perfect and I know that you may not feel like you add up, but I'm telling you today, I can use your life. This is proof positive that God loves you so much that God sent somebody to your life. I don't know if it was your parent or a friend. I don't know if it was a social media post. I don't know if it was a youth worker or somebody, one of your classmates, but God loved you so much that he sent somebody to touch you. He sent somebody to invite you. He sent somebody to reach your life. God loves you so much that he sent his one and his only son to die for your sins, that you would not perish, but you had everlasting life. Anybody thankful that God loves you so much that he sent somebody to you? God loves you so much that he'll actually use you in spite of you. I know some of you going like, are you, are you for real? Like, I still cuss. I still got issues. I'm a mess. Isn't it amazing that God takes imperfect people and does extraordinary things when they're willing to be used by God? 
God did not gather at the pep rally 70 perfect people. He just looked for 70 willing people. I bet you this guy had issues and that guy had problems and this guy was still an addict and this guy was still working through something. But God said, as long as you just show yourself to be willing, I'll send you out to the field. I'll send you out to the city. Come on, anybody thankful today that in spite of you, God can still use you. This is our heart. This is our prayer. This is our church. And let me say in the name of Jesus, this is our city. Come on, if you believe it today, lift a hand to heaven. Jesus, we receive the pep rally. We know that you're stirring up faith today. We know that you're stirring up dreams and possibility. And we say that our lives belong to you. Come on, let's worship God. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you were inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.